0: Welcome to the latest episode of Victory, the podcast. I'm um, Doug Ellen and Kevin Dillon. Victory! We are excited to be back and we're excited to talk. We're we're going to get into a little bit about episode two of the show, first season, which um, just a little background before we got there. A year and a half it takes, Kev, for them to pick up the pilot to shoot, then another four months to agree to it, then they tell me I got to go write seven episodes, which I realized I had no idea how to write seven episodes of television. <laughs> I had only written a pilot, and now it's time to go.
1: Hey, Doug, sorry to interrupt you. Just uh, just so people at home listening can follow along, we're talking about season one, episode two of Entourage, and it's called The Review, and it's the, the review of Head On with Jessica Alba has come out, The reviews are terrible. And one major magazine calls Vincent Chase a fly-by-night pretty boy. And that one hurt everybody but Vince.
0: The idea for this episode came to me because I had suffered some very bad reviews in my life. I did a couple of movies. (laughs) One was called Fat Beach that was legitimately a $100,000 budget that got released around the world and I got tortured for. I was a 23-year-old kid just trying to, you know, have a job and I got tortured. Then I did Kissing a Fool, which Universal picked up and released like it was a huge movie and and did not get great reviews either. So any reviews in your life that you can remember that that stung like drama or Vince got in that?
2: To be honest with you, I didn't really pay a lot of attention to the reviews. I knew if it was good or not, I'm too sensitive to take that kind of a beating if it's bad. Right. So I I don't really want to hear them. I would kind of feel it out and people would, Kind of give me an idea if I got a good review or a bad review.
0: Right. But. So you weren't getting calls, and you didn't pick up the paper the next day like me, like no. a lunatic, to read anything that no, came out. No, I didn't
2: want to see it, really. <laughs> right. and I definitely didn't want right. to see
0: you know, Although
2: Johnny Drama didn't want to pick up the paper, either. He ended up doing it.
0: It's funny, because we, we can talk about similarities between you and Johnny Drama and differences, which... Mostly their differences, but I think people kind of associate you as you're the same person, which is interesting. But tell you what, I <laughs> they did this-
1: associate me as being the same person too, bro. Yeah. It's a little annoying. I like yeah. to think I'm a little rougher around the edges, a lot
2: tougher. They don't, go, oh, they don't even you. call me
0: by my name. It's
2: Johnny, Johnny.
0: <laughs> I think I think E and Connolly are very different, though. E is a little better looking. What do you think? E gets a lot more ass than Kevin Connolly.
1: <laughs> you, know, you know what else, too? Like, there's... there's, a, People have a way of saying E, like, with such a patronizing... Like, you e. e can't really do that to drama, but it's like, whatever, E. <laughs> or there's like, like a million different inflections that can fucking clown it, me. With it's that. such yes. a
0: weird thing, and we talked about it earlier, but, like, E is... I mean, I'm a little of Ari, a lot of E, and E took a lot of criticism, which kills me, because I'm like, that was... I was kind of... I was the E of my friendship group, which is where it kind of came from. And I find E to be like the cool, good guy that you want running the ship. But
1: Also, he, the late, great Stuart Scott. Remember late, that? Uh, yep, <laughs> the late, great Stuart he Scott. He called himself, he said his friends made fun of him because he was the E of the group. So I was <laughs> yeah. like,
0: oh, I guess it's a compliment. Uh-huh.
1: I miss <laughs> yeah. Stuart Scott. Yeah, Stuart, great Stuart, guy, great Stuart guy. Scott
0: was freaking awesome. and uh, yeah. But E and I... And Kevin and I have a lot of similarities. He's the rougher Irish version of me, the neurotic Jew. But there's a lot of similar personality stuff. But anyway, I spent my weekend with the Kevins. Kevin Dillon movies, Heaven Help Us, which wow. I grew up on, wow. Platoon, The Doors, and Kevin Connolly, I sat through, again, The Notebook with my girlfriend and watched nice. her cry for 45 fucking minutes. I mean, I okay? just can't
1: believe you'd never seen The Notebook. I mean, not even, I, even that I... Did you not cry?
2: You gotta cry. I mean, you don't uh, you have know, a heart if you don't cry uh, in The Notebook. You know what? I have questions about The Notebook. and I felt nothing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I had questions. You like the cover.
2: second camera work, right, Kev? Didn't you direct? Great Kevin did, second, the, uh, you did the second camera second. direction?
0: Kevin directed the opening titles, Time right? Seasons, which yeah. are great, you know? Yeah. And, and it's a great looking movie. And Cassavetes, who directed it, came on the show later, which is yeah. awesome. So we have a lot of connections. But the interesting thing for me, because you guys were both in the business as very young people. Kevin Connolly started at, I don't even know, seven yeah, I mean, years old? Dylan had no childhood. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't
2: have a childhood. I started at about 17. He started when he was six. You started 17?
0: He was in diapers. And you got work quickly.
2: Yeah, I actually dropped out of high school. Yeah, so for a movie. For a movie. What movie? Heaven Help Us? Well, I did a movie called uh, No Big Deal, and then I did Heaven Help Us. Right. So those two were during
0: And by the way, I can't speak to No Big Deal because I don't remember it, but I will watch it. Don't worry about it. You can skip that one. But Heaven (laughs) Help Us was like a staple high school movie for my friends and I when we were growing up. And it's weird. Then platoon comes out. I think eighty six, which I'm a senior in high school. Yeah. Kevin and I are, you know, he looks a lot older than me, but we're basically <laughs> the same, we're basically around the same age. But I mean,
2: I got a couple of years on you, bro.
0: And platoon, when it comes out, is this groundbreaking Vietnam film. Oliver Stone makes it, and it's considered like the most authentic, realistic Vietnam movie ever made. At and that also time. Yeah. too, yeah. I
1: believe it was like a six million dollar budget. Was like for all intents and purposes, like an independent film. I too,
0: believe right? it was around four.
2: Right. Wow. So I it was could could an wrong wrong film, which is, was, is something that yes. most people don't. Oliver Stone invited us to a screening of Salvador, and we got to see Salvador. Jimmy Woods. Jimmy Woods who was great, and the movie was great, so we knew. Great movie. We got a really great director here, and this is going to be a pretty cool movie because the script was great.
0: Hopefully people are listening to this, get excited, but just even hearing, like, Oh, you know, we got a cool director. It's Oliver Stone, who then goes on to make some of all of our favorite movies of all time. Yeah. You know, Wall Street, Talk Radio, et cetera. You know, we, JFK. JFK. Yeah. Yep. You know, and, and is is one of the greats. And, and we talked about getting him on the show a couple of times, but it never happened. But I went with my best High school friends to see Platoon, which a lot of those guys became models and characters in this show. And, but I'm not even contemplating a career in, at this point. I'm just trying to make it through high school, thinking about college and what I'm going to do with my life. And you two are, you know, having these careers. Then The Doors comes out, which one of my favorite bands, again, one of my favorite actors. Sick Val, movie. Yeah, Val fun. Kilmer. And, fun, fun, fun. And just a behind-the-scenes thing. That movie had a lot of inspiration to me for the Tree Tripper episode that we ultimately do because that movie was really ah, like a whole trip nice. and yeah, Jim the Morrison. Tripping. Yeah, yeah, Jim Morrison like finds himself taking peyote and goes to the desert and finds himself, and all of a sudden he goes from making bad movies at UCLA to becoming the biggest you know musician or yeah. whatever frontman. So I had questions: of why watching you? Because you're so good in that movie. And again, it's it's something because I get this shit all the time. On Instagram or Twitter, like, is Kevin Dillon just Johnny Drama? Is he even acting? And this guy is acting, and this guy is making choices. And just go watch Platoon and go watch The Doors movie. Did you play the drums before that movie? Did you have to learn? I did.
2: I I dabbled in the drums. I did a little marching band kind of stuff. But when I met with Fingers. Oliver March, band. I wasn't very the good. Marching I marching never... band guy. <laughs> yeah, I did matter. like yeah, you know I was like, pretty decent on the snare. I could Couldn't do make like teams, So
0: I'd <laughs> stick him on the sideline and give him a drum.
2: <laughs> no, I was playing linebacker, bro. I would have jacked you up.
0: <laughs> Piven was but... a linebacker too. You guys would have been a great, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, pass rush. You would yeah, you, and yeah. you and Harry <laughs> Carson put me and on Lon the edge. Taylor <laughs>
2: the <backfield>. I'm Taylor. <laughs> But I told him I was a lot better than I was. I told him, oh, yeah, I'm a great drummer, because we had a meeting, and basically, gave me the job.
0: You go in, and you actually meet with Oliver. Yes. And he asks you, can you play the drums? And you look at him and I was like, I'm an amazing drummer. You <laughs> can I play the drums? And uh, and I wasn't
2: bad. I mean, I, I could get on a kit and, and bang him around a little bit. My brother Paul plays. My brother Brian plays. My brother Tim. So a lot of—we we all kind of rock out at the house a
0: little right. bit. Right. And so— how was that? Like, you come back, and years later, you're working with Val again on this show. I mean, was that an interesting reunion? Or that what? was great.
2: It yeah. was good to see Val. And he was our first real big cameo. It was so fun.
1: I've heard that as an actor in an Oliver Stone movie, at some point, you have to basically stand up to him. Is that true?
2: I feel it is true a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I've heard I mean, that. Like,
1: and basically, he, until you tell him that, like, yo, it's fine. Yeah, he'll,
2: he'll kick you around a little bit mm-hmm. if you're not going to stand up to him.
0: Yeah, so. Dylan. Dylan's real shy with the uh, with the authorities.
2: <laughs> he has a real hard time standing up you to the authorities. You know, authority. at some stage, I, I you know, I you, had to say, well, hey, Oliver, hey, I'll I'll shove this don't, don't talk, don't up talk your ass. to me like that, bro. Don't, I did not did, say that.
0: Did you tell Oliver you'd kick his ass? Because Dylan said that to me many times. I, I did not. Saying. It was subtext, you know, subtext. First of all,
2: Oliver, pretty big guy. Right, so you're saying he's, so brain, big he's guy. bigger
0: than me. You'd have a tougher time taking Oliver down than me. Is that what you're saying?
2: Oliver in his prime would be tough to beat. There's something you guys got to see too. It's called Brothers in Arms, and it's a documentary about the making of Platoon. Oh wow! And it's amazing. Right. I mean, Johnny Depp talks about how he wanted to piss on Oliver's head. He literally tried to piss on Oliver's head. How? How do you? How do you do that? Well, he took his. He, he but, I mean, took it out.
0: But Oliver's on the ground. <laughs> Oliver's unconscious. Was no, he on he was, a ladder? Uh, I mean, <laughs> he,
2: was, he was up above him. He was sitting down, and he was in a level above. He right. was at the this little bar
0: in Manila. So Johnny was like, I mean, was he kind of a, a tough sure guy Oliver on the set? Or? everybody. No,
1: really no, Johnny. And he was just like, I'm just going to piss on
0: him. Johnny wasn't really a tough guy. But, you know, Oliver
2: gets what he needs out of each guy. Right. And it's going to affect right. you. At some stage, it's going right. to hurt your
0: feelings. I should have done more research about it. But, like, that movie, you're working with Forrest Whitaker ends up winning an Oscar. Yeah. Defoe has definitely been nominated, if not won. He's won. Berger, I know he was nominated. So they were know, both nominated. You got nominated.
1: Berger, Defoe, Johnny Depp, Forrest Whitaker, Kevin yes. Dillon.
0: There's some Charlie Sheen. I yeah. mean, the
1: list goes on and on. Yeah,
0: You're in this jungle and like with Dale Dye ordering you around and what to do? Or what? Yes,
2: we went to uh, this jungle warf- warfare training where we were sleeping in the dirt. They gave us M-16s and we were being attacked every night by the Philippine constabulary. <laughs> and they were dressed up like VC and they had AK-47s. It was insane.
1: Hey, so just to keep the audience listening in the loop— Dale Dye is a military consultant for movies. And what he does is he takes all the actors before you shoot the movie. He takes actors out to the jungle and he does a boot camp with them where he beats them into the ground and trains them like real soldiers. So when they start shooting, they have some real kind of grit to them. Now, the funny thing about the platoon one was that my understanding is that, and Kev, you stop me if I'm wrong, the Platoon boot camp was 18 days. So you got the cast of Platoon in the jungle, sleeping in dirt holes for three weeks. And I think a few other movies did it after that. And I have a story about a TV show where I worked with Dal Di as well, not quite as intense as Kevin's. But yeah, the Platoon actor boot camp is legendary. In Hollywood, and people still talk about
2: it. Oliver would join these guys <laughs> and attack us with an AK 47. Uh, so we got no sleep. And that's, uh, that's about just a line.
1: A... How about a line reading from the famous bunny? Hey, man, you see that fucking
2: head? <laughs> <laughs> see that fucking head come apart? <laughs> <laughs> I like when you bite the beer Oscar. can off. I mean, that's, you know, so t-
0: how do you do that, by the way? Like, that's well, uh... what happened
2: was we were hanging out, having drinks, me and Oliver Stone. And I said, hey, Oliver, check this out. And I took a bite out of the can in front of him, and I handed him the bite. Wow. Anyway, that was great. You got to put that in the movie.
0: That, I mean, you see, that's like, to me, is a great story. Because I was watching the movie yesterday and thinking like, you know, uh, they're making you do this over and over. And I'm like, did they get like you, uh, like a can? So that was a thing you normally do in your life. Yes, I your to, I've thing. been doing that forever. Can you could do, do it, it now? right now? I would love I to could, see you do I could, but right
2: I got a couple teeth. I mean, the question
0: is. I can,
1: could <laughs> do without the fucking beer spraying all over the studio. I mean, yeah, I could, we could clean it up. No, I could Are easily
2: they? take a bite out of one right now. I told Oliver, I said, "This is when, is an act. This is the one thing that is not accurate in this movie because it's so accurate to Vietnam. But they didn't have aluminum cans back then. They were, I don't know, steel. I don't know <laughs> steel. steel. <laughs> they were something harder than aluminum. <laughs> so you, you weren't could
1: biting not, into that.
2: You could not bite into a can from." late 60s and okay. he's like I don't care I love it I want it in the movie oh
0: that's cool so he put it in nobody ever said anything about it
2: either nobody questioned
0: it. it's a memorable moment for sure you yeah. know because I sort of remembered something was coming when I was watching and again it's a movie I've, I haven't seen in 20 years by the way it holds up you should 100% watch it as yeah. well as Kevin well, Dillon's stuff so let's move on to Connolly a little bit and I'm sure Kevin Dillon cried at the notebook so which he yes. said yes but he did. Connelly, I got this gripe with the notebook. I don't understand why... What's, how could you possibly... I just I, I just don't fucking get why you don't tell
1: Gosling. I mean, you like... I'm in the movie for eight minutes and somehow I... Connolly
0: ruined, the you know... Like, <laughs> he ruined it. As the Entourage show was... I fr- ruined the movie. As I was Entourage. dead by page 35. Entourage was friendship and loyalty and Connolly's character in the fucking notebook goes up to Rachel McAdams and basically says, let it go. It's over The the thing. He doesn't really care about you, essentially, that's what he says. But meanwhile, Gosling's character is gonna destroy his whole life and you know, care about her. why didn't he say, Don't let this go? He's gonna figure out a way or something. Why why do you do that? Like it doesn't make any sense. Well, because
1: I knew that it wasn't gonna work out with the two of them because they're just different kinds of people. They're from opposite sides of the tracks. I'm trying to spare him what is inevitably gonna be heartbreak. Not me. Huh. Finn
0: made a choice. And uh
1: that's it. Yeah. I mean, it's not I understand what you're saying, but Whatever, I don't want to burn too much time on it. It's not that
0: crazy. All right, well, I, I, I you know, I like the notebook stories. but anyways, You shed a tear, though, at the end. You had to have shed a tear. Doug I, hasn't
1: felt anything <laughs> in
0: years. You know he what, feels I, only pain. I, you know what, I've been divorced twice. I, I cry when I think about that. I don't cry at movies anymore. <laughs> but, I mean, my girlfriend was hysterical. And I, I thought she was laughing at first because I heard it in the dark. I heard the, like, <laughs> And then, so I look over and she is hysterical. So, uh, I... I I tried to pretend that I was upset. I was not upset. Anyway, so back to two for a second. I come up with this idea that we're going to do it. Episode two
1: is the review.
0: Yeah, and we start loading up our guest stars. David Faustino is doing the vagina monologues (laughs) for a class with drama. That was his first cameo. He came back.
2: We saw him a couple times after, right? Love Faustino. He's a great Great guy to
0: have in the bullpen. He don't give a fuck. He's like, sure.
2: He's the lefty in the bullpen.
0: But it really showed the amazing contrast of Johnny Drama's character who's so serious about this acting class but then blows it up immediately when Jessica Alba offers him a chance to go to a party. Yeah.
2: The acting they class ain't was paying me bro. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to talk about disappointments in your life. One of the things that I thought about which hopefully it's not too, you know, sensitive a subject, but a television show you really don't know. There are some great shows all in the Family, Cheers, Seinfeld. That did not start off strong. And I don't mean mm-hmm. uh, content-wise. I mean, the ratings weren't there, and they were almost canceled. And then they go on to be the legendary greatest shows ever. Kevin Dillon had one of those shows. It, it didn't go on to be legendary, unfortunately. I'm sorry. <laughs> but after Entourage, you go do this this other show. They give you the top spot on CBS, correct, after uh, Two and a Half Men? Yeah. Just give me a little bit about that experience and, you know, where you could have gone right from Entourage right into another. How to be a gentleman. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know, I
2: I thought it had a lot of potential. We had a really good cast. It was funny. The problem was they were doing this hybrid of the show. So it was it hadn't been done many times. You mean hybrid like some some audience. audience, So it's a
1: sitcom multi-camera format without an audience.
2: Yes. But there was still an audience there that would kind of laugh around the set. It was really tough because they would change the script. And you know right. how I feel about that, dog. I'm yes. not a big fan no. of late changes. Right. And they would give me complete script changes. Right. The night before. Right. But and still, it's a two-man show.
1: Yes, I mean, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about. Kevin is a guy that doesn't make on-the-spot decisions with regards to his acting. Right. He thinks about it way before. So if he's got yes. his game plan laid out for a scene, and then you think you're going to walk up to him and hand him pages with a completely different scene, it's just not going to happen. Because yeah. well, uh, he'd rather yeah. not do the show.
2: Yeah, and, and this show was ridiculous. I mean, there was so much. I mean, it was complete different scripts the night before you're about to
0: film it. <laughs> so, Kevin, unlike me, <laughs> no, I think it's great. And I think, I don't know how Connolly is. Like, I've been watching uh, Jordan's Last Dance, you know, and I feel mm-hmm. like him because I mark down, like, the people that, that fucked with me or criticized me, and I, I hate them every day of my life. Like, it never goes away. And I don't really let those disappointments go, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I did a pilot for HBO that I, I came up with the idea with Mike Tyson got John Ridley, who won an Oscar a year later to write it. Spike Lee directed it. We got John Boyega, you know, from Star Wars fame, who's amazing, to play, you know, a version of Mike Tyson. And I thought that was going to be a show that that went for a long time. When that does not go, the disappointment and the hurt, to me, it lasts for a long time. Mm-hmm. You seem to be better, you know, mentally than I am. I have a way of just kind of blocking out That's great. failures. That's smart. and <laughs> just... Uh... Just remember the good stuff. And you moving know I mean? forward. And yeah. what about you, Connelly? I, mean, I, I
1: did I did, a pilot in 2000. And this is, Kevin, where I did my thing with Dale Dye, who's mm-hmm. the military guy. And it was called Sam Circus, And it was a World War II pilot. I think we shot, I think it took us like four weeks to shoot the pilot. But in a nutshell, the, the, the unit has like a small task that they have to complete, you know, every episode. And it, to date, is the best pilot that I've ever done. And mm. it didn't get picked up. And when that didn't get picked up, I said, you know what? I, I'm going to take it one at a time. Do the pilot and hope for the best. So that situation prepared me, I think, for Entourage and not staring at the phone. Because you could get into the gossip rumor mill of the pilots like, ooh, yeah. you know, uh, CBS is really looking to pick up a whatever drama. <laughs> you know, like people will gossip for days and it, don't, it just doesn't mean anything. So right. for me... I learned a lot. So after that, I was like, yo, there's no fucking rhyme or reason. You don't know what these people are thinking. Right. But I had a terrible time with Dale Dye. Terrible, terrible time. Did
0: you tell him when he came on, <laughs> on Entourage? Did you tell Well, him? I
1: mean, at that point, the, the, but what happened was I was on another TV show. So I showed up to the boot camp a day late. Ooh, the and new guy. nobody spoke to me. Can you imagine that? Yeah. No, that's what they did. Three days. Nobody spoke to me. We and, did that to guys, like, guys as well. I, yeah, there's like, there's like, you know. But also too, these you're are the other FNG. Actors. Nobody like,
2: wants to talk to the new guy because yeah. you might get killed. But also too, I'm like the
1: soft actor that showed up late. But you know what? But, I
0: mean, give some context to this because actually, you've told me the story before. I think it's amazing stuff for an actor. You, you go in, you think you're watching this war movie, but basically. They bring you to some pilot that's never going to see the light of day, but they they make you feel like you're going to war. So you get there and nobody will be you. I was you. broken. I didn't know that Band you made of a law. did it, that. but it was
1: like not as, as intense. And it was intense. And ours was four days.
2: I came close on that one too, Band of Brothers.
1: Yeah, you would have been great.
2: Oh, man. it would have been great because I would have been Dale Dye's right-hand man. I would have helped. I would have been like a drill instructor for these
1: guys. I was. I was literally, I had such a hard time on this pilot. I was in England and it was like mad cow disease. Every day there was just a different picture of a dead cow on the paper. It was the only time I ever called Major, I said, "Yo, I'm not doing this TV show. If it doesn't shoot in America, fire me, sue me, I'm out. I'm just not." What gonna did they fucking say? Happen? They said, "Well, we'll cross that bridge when we talk yeah. to it." But I couldn't just live. I just want to not be in the countryside of England, raining every day, getting yelled at. Kevin, you know, you go to the bathroom, and if you have to have your weapon in your hand. Yes. Or you'll be doing push-ups. you got to do 50 push-ups. If you walk away from your...
2: Yes, you got to keep it on you at all times. And I noticed you said weapon and not gun. Because gun, <laughs> so gun you're is also a lot of trouble you're for that, trouble, too. Right,
1: it's a weapon, and you have to have it with you, and there was no dressing rooms. You all had to get this dressed This is my together. weapon.
2: This is my gun. <laughs> this is for fighting. This is for fun. Dylan likes <laughs> the way getting dressed
1: with
0: other dudes. I personally
2: <laughs> missed my trailer. You're not a locker room guy. He was
0: not a locker room guy, and Connolly is not a locker room guy. Here's the thing about
2: this this kind of training is you have to embrace it. You got to love it. Of course, my character loved being in Vietnam anyway, so it made it really easy for me. I had a great time out there. Everyone else. You had a great
0: time in the a, fucking jungle. Cause, the greatest time of my life, I swear to God, just running around with an M-16, being attacked at night. And just, I mean, watching that movie this weekend, I was like, I am I'm not equipped to, to be in warfare. <laughs> I'm serious. It was like, it really was. It made you realize how sad and terrible war is and how, like, these are a bunch of poor kids who don't belong there, who really don't even know what they're doing, who are trying to figure it out. It's a great movie. Everybody yeah. should watch it. You brought up something a minute ago, which I think is interesting. Again, I like to harp on negative and sadness and reminisce, but roles that you almost got. Things that you were close on or anything you passed on that we may... Lots. Most I was the
2: number two guy for everything. Like what? Well, Back to the Future. I don't know about number two, but I was close on Back to the Future. I, I remember seeing Michael and it's down to the last well, two. Well, that's what right. I'm
1: saying. It's never really like one, two, three, four. It's like that final call. Right. yes when there's like a room full of four dudes fighting. Yes. And, and you're looking at
2: each who's... other and kind of feeling each other out a little very so weird.
0: well i mean obviously it becomes one of the biggest movies of all time three sequels so you're in a casting room michael j fox is sitting next to you or, or what how is that working did yes. you audition because i don't know anything about yeah uh,
2: yeah many auditions and i'm not really sure if he went for a screen test or anything like that but i probably had four auditions
0: and zemeckis I guess so. <laughs> no, I mean, did you, yeah. did you do? Did, I mean, I, there were so many people yeah, yeah. in the
2: room. I don't know who was who, you know? Right, right, right. But you came back four times for that. Yes. By right. the way, NYPD Blue, Rick Schroeder and myself, it was down <laughs> to the two of us. Really? Sitting in the same room. And I had the flu. And I was like, like Michael Jordan. can we push this and I can go in later? And they right. said, no. Wow. This is a screen test. You got to go in there now.
0: So and I, I did the
2: best I could. I, I ended up getting a guest spot for it. Right but he got the job.
0: So I mean do these things they stick with you you end up watching the
2: show do you That hurt. But after doing the cameo I did you know three uh, episodes I was kind of glad I hadn't gotten that job. Right. That's another tough job. I mean he's he's handing out pencils on the set.
0: Going all right these are your new lines. Right. So you know I like to I'm you, a prep guy. Yeah. I like to prep. Let's go back to 2 for a minute because that it's like I watched it last night haven't seen it in years you know, a couple of things happened. We lost about four minutes of story because we ran out of time. Kevin Dillon had a big karaoke scene that was going to go on, which (laughs) would have been hilarious. Singing Islands in the Stream with Karen Manning. (laughs) You know, we just ran out of time because that night on that shoot was hell. But what I really took out of that first, uh, that second episode, so I just, we can talk about different things. The camaraderie between the guys really just came to life and they felt like boys from Queens. Yeah. And buying a car and and E having the responsibility to simply manage Vince's mental state by Ari telling him, you know, do whatever you want. So you have any specific memories like from that episode? So you know, we buy the Phantom, right?
1: And you know, it was before
0: wasn't that somebody's car? Yeah, I believe. It was Mark's. No, I believe it was Adam Bennett's, Mark. Was one of Mark's agent. agents. Okay, Mark
2: did have a car in the show. I think in the— uh, But he
0: drove
1: it. We borrowed some agents from WME's car, and we were smoking fake weed in it, and we were like— yeah. I mean, by <laughs> that's the
2: way— a dealership, they had to have a, a couple of them there, and yeah, one of them was but that Mark's. Was, that wasn't a real dealership. That was just no, a set. No, no, no. So I, think
0: it was, I believe it was Adam Bennett's great guy, uh, one of Ari's—the real Ari's partners, and one of Mark's agents. And we had no budget. So getting even a, a $400,000 Rolls Royce was not easy for Entourage in episode two. Yeah. But yeah. that's what was written. <laughs> and having Mark, we got it. So, yeah. but we were not. Supposed to smoke in that car?
1: Did we rig a camera onto that car? Uh, did we
0: put the hostess trades Did wow. we just go? I'm not car? gonna. I'm That's not gonna of. discuss that. I'm, I'm not gonna discuss that. I wonder I know, what you're talking about. I know that about. We smoked a shit ton of that fake weed. In that I mean, vehicle. there yes, was a lot of smoke in yes, that car, and I remember, as I recall again, I don't want to swear it was Adam, but I think it was. But if it was Adam, someone was pissed because they got their car back. It was not an old car; it was a pretty brand new car. Yeah. They were pissed. But I love that guy. By the way, it was like, do, do it, Vince. Do it, Vince. <laughs> it's great. Do and it's do the Rolls the whole thing like, Connelly's character being stuck with just Ari telling him. You know, that episode, too, which we talk about, obviously, Hug It Out, bitch, became this thing. Yeah. Where did it come from? It was in the script. Listen, it's, <laughs> it's
1: very simple. There's nothing to talk about. Yeah. It said, Hug It Out. Jeremy said, Hug It Out, bitch. That's yeah. it. I mean, yeah.
0: to it was there. So, with once and for all, let's say that. And, again, I, I love the improvised lines. There were not that many of them on the show. There were some great ones, and everyone had some. Um, but, you know, like, everybody well, did job. my their favorite one
2: was... Uh... I got crazy pussy in high school, (laughs) and I drove a moped. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that, right? Is that it? Did I say that right? Though you said it, and I had no—I was was never.
1: Any time I would throw like, I'm like, "Hey, Dylan, I'm thinking about improv in this line." Kevin would go, "Yeah, but." Leave room for the scissors. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Unless it was really good. I'm like, I don't leave him. any room for the scissors. Leave so room. You for get the it scissors. in there. <laughs> I think you guys learned to trust that I was going to put in whatever was good, I think. Yeah. you know? Yeah.
2: Well, that's why if I had something good, I'd call you the night before yeah. and it guaranteed to be in.
0: Yeah. Now we're here. There's no stopping it. Kevin Connolly's producing this. Hopefully he's going to make some fucking money off of this, but we're not holding back here. We're telling the fucking real deal. Who's the meathead now? The guy in the booth. Yeah, yeah. you want to talk talk about the biggest (laughs) meathead move? We're jumping all over the place. The worst day ever where Kevin Connolly is like my brother, period. I consider my brother I'd fucking kill for this kid. But Kevin wants to direct an episode, okay? This is a a little stressful because I'm like, okay, this really is a five-person show. These five actors, I look at them all as equals. Nobody's better. It doesn't matter who's the best actor. It doesn't matter who's the most experienced. To me, they're five equals, and that's the, the crew. Mm-hmm. So Kevin wants to direct it, and I got to figure out, wow, what if everyone wants to direct <laughs> yeah. an episode now? And I know Kevin has directed- I had direct- to get emails from everybody. <laughs> but I had to get written emails like high school. But anyway, I think Kevin appreciates, I make this happen, and yeah. it all goes well. And Kevin, by the way, killed it, does a great job. He's doing this. But when
1: you grab me by the throat at Masters, no, but we'll talk Whoa, about that too. We got one.
0: Kevin Connolly in his script that he's directing, it's shooting at Yankee Stadium. Okay,
1: fucking setup from fucking jump.
0: Now, this show shoots <laughs> in Los Angeles, and Kevin Connolly is not only the Director of this particular episode, but he's also acting in this episode. So anyway, there's no way to schedule. No. Yankee Immediately, Stadium this. Doug's yeah. got to
1: take over directing duties at Yankee Stadium <laughs> with A. Rod and Tashera yeah. <laughs> on,
0: on, on the on the life of my kids. This this, this is I how, this it. is how it happens. So the line producer tells me it's impossible. Dennis Biggs. He tells me it's impossible. Kevin Connolly, there's no way he can be in New York and we can shoot this show. So you got to go and you got to do it. Now I'm calling Kevin. I think we're a team. I think it's my brother. I'm calling him. I'm like, yo, Kev, the schedule, there's just no way it's going to work. There's no way you're going to Yankee Stadium. Click. No way. Wait, it gets worse. <laughs> not only does he hang up on me, he blocks me on Facebook. There's no Instagram yet. Oh, he blocks man. me on Facebook. I'm We're like, What's still going not on? friends <laughs> on Facebook because we've been in a standoff. You're for, still not friends on we've, been, we've been on a standoff for 10 years. years He's lighter. like, well,
1: why don't you re-request me? I'm like, well, why don't you re-request me? <laughs> so as we sit here today, we're still not friends on Facebook oh, because you guys. I unfollowed him on Facebook.
0: Absolutely amazing stuff. That's and We are going to go hardcore detail into, sadly, what Kevin Connolly missed. But one of the great days of my life, having free reign of Yankee Stadium, which, unfortunately, Dylan here is a fucking Met fan. But <laughs> Kevin and I are huge it's Yankee been, fans. It's and, been a tough life. Bro. You know, and Mark DeSher <laughs> got us Yankee Stadium. And we honestly controlled it. I brought all my high school friends and my kids. And we, like, we owned Yankee Stadium for five hours. And it was pretty incredible.
1: Well, this, let me uh, just say this, yeah. too. My one big improv that fucking got me in trouble with all of us and I thought I left room for yes, yeah, so I didn't like that but one. But because it was a one-er, do you remember when I said, "Well, who gives a shit?" Like, blah blah blah, something about the Mets. And I waited, <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, who gives a shit about the Mets?" It ends up in the cut, dude. I'm from Long Island. I got blasted.
2: Dude, yeah. You got blasted by me right after you did it. I said, hey, you come really, on. yo, you really did. We are from, we are from Queens. We're supposed to be Met fans. Yeah, you know, you're not we're letting to be you anything. be. A yeah. Yankee fan, but don't be but, trashing the Mets. But the truth, I'm a Mets fan, so I didn't the, like the it. truth, you the, are a Mets fan. But that's that's the, tr- the
0: truth of the matter is, and and that's part of whatever me bringing my own stuff into it. The majority of people from Queens are Mets fans, but. I wanted them to be Yankees fans because yeah. I'm a Yankees fan and I wanted Kevin Connolly, which Kevin Connolly would have never put a Ranger jersey no, on. Anyway,
2: but Jerry uh, wouldn't either. I yeah. mean Jerry would he's gonna be a, a Yankee fan. There's no way he's gonna be a When we Met threw hat out on. the
1: first pitch at the Dodger game, Jerry and I refused to wear the Dodger colors.
0: Yeah, I wore them. Well I'm we warm. ended up that's Met the same color as the Mets. We ended up Jerry and I in Jets jerseys, and we actually did it, which I'm still like embarrassed that I didn't have the balls to say no, but we went <laughs> to the Jets, we were guests of the Jets. That's and the right. next thing I know we're in Jets jerseys. I don't really have a hatred for the Jets like I do, and I, or the Mets, like I do the New York Rangers, which I know you like. I and just
1: simply wouldn't do it.
0: Well, yeah, I, well, mean, I, I wouldn't put the Ranger jersey on. I didn't do it. But we went to the game together, and that was amazing. Oh, that was great. Rick Nash and his wife were kind enough to get us in. So now, I, what tends to happen as you get older, you meet players on the teams, and then you become fans of them. So yeah. it's hard to hate the teams like I hated the Rangers when we were growing up, or Ron Duguay and Barry Beck, and people that honestly I hated you know, yeah. like I ran
1: into a few Rangers in, a in New that. York one night, and I walked out of there shaking my head, going, "Man, how could you hate?" And they're the most likable guys. Yep. And you out of here, nineteen?
2: Nineteen seventy? Nineteen forty? No, nineteen forty. And then, and then it became well. Now
0: it's back because it's nineteen. Potvin sucks. Right? Yeah. Oh, the Potvin sucks. <laughs> <though>. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for anyone, any New Yorkers who are listening out there, you're talking to Connolly became the face of the fucking Islanders, which is disgusting and disgraceful because he didn't include me in any of it. But I also made a Emmy Award winning yeah, movie you, about them. But you, yeah, you became, you, but you became like the face you and Macho before that. But I am the biggest diehard Islander fan. I can name every name and number from the entire '78 through '85 right, team. Right, right. You know that. And, you- Hey, whatever. And I have had shit thrown at me when I was a young child at Madison Square Garden wearing a Dennis Potfit jersey. These Ranger fan <laughs> fucking animals. Yeah. That we're throwing the stuff blue at me. The blue zone, right? Oh, the yeah. Blue I the blue seats Remember like,
1: when I was like, got invited to something at the Islanders, I told Doug, I was like, yo, they said I could bring a friend. He's like, I'm not your
0: friend, asshole. I'm your boss. <laughs> you know? Who's the boss now, bro? <laughs> but that's, you know, those are the, some of the well, great... not things. in the eyes of the Islanders. Those though. are some of the not great experiences. Yet. And and by the way, how, how the show on screen... Morphed into the show off screen because we all became kind of best friends. And I, I mean, it just makes me think of like Super Bowl. Kevin and I go to the Giants Super Bowl, and that's when Entourage was at the height of its. But Dylan was there too, and so was Jerry. Yeah, we, we were, were in, different sections, you and I were in the same group. I know, but they wouldn't have done what you were doing. So everyone's asking Kevin Connolly to take pictures, and he's the whole day, he's like, Yeah, my assistant will do it here. And he keeps going, get the <laughs> pictures. So I, I probably
2: took 200 pictures at that By well, the way, I just want to say one yeah. thing too, because you guys almost recruited Adrian. To being a Yankee fan as well, and I said no, 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 no. we're brothers. <laughs> we went to a lot of Met games together. You are a Met fan, and I had wardrobe.
0: Go get a Met's hat. Adrian's going to. After get a Met. Adrian bounced one on the Dodger Stadium that's, mound, uh,
1: <laughs> you could have you know it. what the first pitch of the of the Dodger thing is. is, is oh, he is uh, the greatest thing by in the, the way, world because for a couple of reasons. It's more difficult when you're throwing next to four people. It was a little
2: bit. Let me explain. We were throwing the first pitch out at Dodger Stadium. Four guys. versus The the four entourage guys. the Yankees. Who threw a strike? We both did. We both did. (laughs) Mine had a a little little more heat. heat. No one else is here to defend themselves, but. No, no, no. Jerry threw a high one. Adrian bounced it to the uh, all the way to the wall. And, and
1: D- Dylan looked over at me and said, Would you throw that
2: underhand? <laughs> I know he threw it so soft. And then you see a picture, I mean, I was in full windup.
1: There, you know, it's funny, there is a, there's a video somewhere, but I have an audio, you I gotta try find to it. find it. I've been it. looking for it. We throw the pitch, and then you go and you shake hands at the catcher, and he gives you the ball. And as we walk up, Dylan says, I have it somewhere, I'll find it. <laughs> Dylan says, Yeah, I thought that caught a piece in the corner, didn't you?
0: (laughs) It was an amazing day, too. It was actually a pretty special experience. That was fun. So, finish up on, on episode two, season one of Entourage. Some great things came out of that episode, aside from whatever you think of the episode. But the Earth Cafe, it was our first time that we kind of became like yeah. our, our go-to spot that these guys would eat at all the time. We had some great cameos, Jessica Alba, who mm-hmm. was absolutely amazing. And Leighton Meester, who was just a dream to work yes. with and it was amazing, went on to Gossip Girl and a great career and yeah. just a great, and she's great And she just like,
1: turned out to be like a beautiful woman because yeah. she was like a little girl. Yeah. At the time. She yeah. really done well for herself and became like a, you know, I, I
0: like her. Big fan and, her. And she was great from day one. And, you know, as we said earlier, there was a part of people I think who watched the pilot of the show and they thought this was a bunch of rich guys. And I thought the way it was written and the way it was cast, you realize these were, these were street guys from New York. But I remember a lot of people at the time telling me they really got the show at that last moment Vince looks at E and just says, you know, listen, look around. Did you ever think we'd have all this? And if we lose it all, we'll just go back to Queens. Who gives a shit? Uh,
2: yeah, okay. And the only one who doesn't go to Queens, bro. <laughs> I, don't <laughs> to to Queens. <laughs> I don't want to go back to Queens.
0: No, no, the weather's go too great to out to Queens, here. Bro. <laughs> Take a look.
1: Look where we are.
2: Did you ever think we'd have this? Man, enjoy it. Have fun. Worst comes to worst, we'll go tear it up in Queens like we always have. We're at a party with some of the hottest girls in the world, and we're staring at a bunch of fucking lights. Let's go find you a girl, Yeah. What about Mick?
1: I
0: don't want to go back to Queens, Vince. Who the fuck's going back to Queens? Nobody's going back to Queens. You know, and it really really just solidified that this was these these four guys together living in fantasy land, and... uh, you know, we'll go on to next uh, in the next episode. Talk yeah. about getting on a talk show, and I want to talk some experiences from you guys and myself because I've been on a couple, not yeah. like you yeah. guys, but talk shows and some of those experiences. Yeah. So that'll that'll wrap up this episode of Victory the podcast. I'm Doug Ellen at uh, Mr. Doug Ellen on Instagram. someday I'll get on TikTok. And I'm Kevin Dillon. Uh, look for me,
2: Kevin Dillon Official Instagram. <laughs>